Welcome to Cascade Conversations. Join the team at Cascade Partners and their network of trusted advisors as they work to demystify details, terminology, and strategies in the world of acquisitions, divestitures, and financings. I'm John Doerr, Managing Director with Cascade Partners. I'd like to welcome you to another edition of Cascade Conversations. I'm here this afternoon with Tom Walker, a senior partner with Walker Insight, economics consulting firm focused on agriculture. We are here to talk about the global state of the agricultural industry and specifically how uh, the world plans to feed 10 billion people by the year 2050. Tom, welcome. Thank you, John. Um, Senior partner, actually the the senior partner is Tom Walker Sr., who uh, is in fact, yes, my dad. And uh, uh, he founded our firm in 1969 involved us, uh, I should say involved himself long before I was at all professional in the agricultural industry. I think he had judged it uh, back in the 70s at least it was 40% of uh, business in our Federal Reserve District and our fairly underserved community. Um, got hooked on it. It's, it's uh, fascinating. Um, it had, had and has still a certain degree of homogeneity which permits uh, some pretty interesting uh, data mining. <clears throat> so we, uh, I came into the firm out of college, which is getting to be a long time ago as well. Um, his advantage, uh, seniors that is, uh, I do have someone who remembers the 70s and the, and the uh, agate crisis of the 80s, which predates my own professional tenure. And, um, I guess been interesting since then, it's essentially you've been up and up. And, and, uh, without any really uh, distinctive widespread crises, uh, almost to the current day. Right. So so as we uh, look at the current state of, and your, your work is centered on both kind of data mining, economics, both holistically and as it, particularly as it impacts the, the farming industry, what are some of the key developments that you've seen through COVID and coming out of COVID? As of course, we've got... Uh, significant inflation that impacts pricing and commodity costs for farmers. But what are some of the key issues you're looking at today? As, uh, yeah, so where do I start? I, I mean, I, I think a lot of uh, factors uh, contributed to making uh, agriculture in 2022, and it's nationally true. We focused mostly in Minnesota, so I can speak very specifically there. Uh, the most profitable year on record since 2012, which itself was kind of on the heels of the ethanol boom where uh, the, the mandates a few years prior created a major bull market in corn and, and that ran ahead of the cost ability to catch up. So we had some wonderful uh, uh, net profits in 2012. 2022 um, bested that number and uh, you have to go uh, back uh, basically uh, too, too much older than the data sets to find uh, the last time farming was boomed as it did. Uh, it's tempting to see, for us to see corollaries to the 1970s, which were a very uh, profitable time in agriculture. Okay, okay. And can you tell us a little bit about land prices, how they've soared uh, to their current levels, how that's impacting the farmer and, and, and kind of the, how that's going to impact the future of the industry as it relates to what is the best use of land? How does, you know, we all know labor is a big problem for all industries today. Is automation coming onto the farm? And then as you look at the supply chain, how is technology impacting that, the, the, whole, uh, the whole supply chain? 
It's interesting, John. Um, um, farmland, uh, gosh, as recently as the mid-90s in Minnesota was uh, about $1,000 an acre. And I, I think Minnesota is a, it's one of the, not the major I-state corn producer, but certainly a decent proxy for row cropping in the U.S. So, uh, uh, farmland was uh, maybe 1,300 acres recently. It's 97. I'm looking a little bit from memory. Um, <clears throat> depending on the rumor mill and what uh, sales are booked, there and, and I'm aware of an appraisal that was just conducted that placed uh, uh, quality farmland at uh, 10, 12, $12,000 an acre in some of the water vector regions. It is very, very high. And it is still high in spite of the fact that uh, since last year, we've seen some real major uptakes in interest rates. And I mean, <clears throat> you have a very powerful negative correlation. So you talk about farmland and what it's done since the 90s. Certainly, uh, interest rates until recently have been on a very distinct and downward trajectory that tends to boost asset prices. Um, additionally, we've seen uh, uh, technology in particular uh, uh, hybrids and, and also the chemicals for uh, chemicals and hybrids uh, pushing corn yields up really miraculously almost and, and uh, that plus uh, ethanol mandates and uh, whatever else you want to throw in the mix from uh, the, the COVID era whether it's concerned over Ukraine production or whether it's uh, just what the uh, M2 did in the period and chasing after well, commodities and good services, which inevitably happens. Inflation is the first effect that farmers really do benefit. And, and I think that's really uh, driven, I can only call it speculative land price boom. Um, and I could go on a lot about that. So I'll stop for a second. <laughs> a second to see, right, well, see where you want to take this. Right. So, so as we look at, I mean, we've all experienced when we go to the grocery store, right? Dairy prices have, come, have gone up and down. Egg prices soared, and then they've come down. Wheat prices, as you mentioned, because of the war, um, had, there was a serious concern globally about being able to just feed um, the people, particularly in, in areas where it's going to be tough to get the grain out of the Ukraine um, into those countries. So, look, so, so things have stabilized somewhat, is that correct? And if so, um, how does that impact kind of the next couple of years as we look at just looking at food production and the ability to feed the world? Sure. It, it's always speculative, but looking at the factors and how they fit together, actually more like how they fail to fit together, it's hard not to predict some kind of a reset in asset valuations, uh, namely farmland, but also into equipment, and that spills over into land rents. Um, but what the timing is, I mean, right now, the average uh, the farm is very liquid. Uh, they had a very large profit here, and based on... Uh, my analysis of 2023, they will have a hard time being as profitable this year as last. Last year had a almost improbable combination of very high yields, well above trend, at least in this area. And uh, prices that um, basically rewarded farmers for speculative production. In other words, they didn't hedge before harvest, they tend mm -hmm. not to. And very atypically, prices rose all the way to harvest and beyond. They are tailing off now, which typically yeah. happens. And there's a strong negative correlation between uh, interest rates. Well, that's great, Tom. So as we look at how do we create uh, resilient food production going forward, there's a lot of new technologies. A lot of money has come into what they're calling the agri-food tech space. I think it's over $200 billion in the last 
since 2012 and $30 billion in 2022 alone, although that, that was down from 2021. If you look at concerns over um, supply, of course, ESG, climate, uh, carbon, uh, and then new technologies, Internet of Things, uh, precision ad, how do... How, how do all those factors influence what a farmer is thinking about in terms of how what is best for their business and then how uh, the consumer should be thinking about where they should go and buy their products? Yeah, uh, um, it's, I mean, the large-scale farms, it's, it's obviously a, a very full-time job uh, just to keep up with, with uh, technological uh, advancement. And it, it results in a really uh, high capital spend uh, in order just to keep up. Uh, for sure. It's an interesting... Uh, um, what I find that in, in, in farming is their um, capex uh, essentially uh, accounts for every single dollar free cash flow that comes in every year, which it's always is a bit disturbing. You, you you'd like to see a little bit of payback uh, right. over thirty years. So it's very capital intensive. It is exceedingly, and, and, and keep in mind in terms of land ownership, uh, farmers own you know, perhaps a quarter of the land that they're that's under management. So there will be an interesting shift. I'm maybe getting a bit of feel from you, but in terms of where the capital resides, um, as the population ages out, that involves farmers retiring, landholders um, uh, passing uh, their landholders on to the next generation. Sometimes the next generation does not want to be in a land management situation, and so they're looking for professional third-party management, or they're looking to sell it and cash out. Uh, so that whole landlord uh, and farmer relationship is probably going to evolve in the next 10 years. And okay. if you can guess, it's going to be more, more professional. Okay. Quote, unquote. Okay. So that's interesting. Uh, interesting segue. One of the um, new issues that have come, is coming to agriculture is uh, advanced technology greenhouses or con- controlled environment um, situations where you're growing product indoors, correct? Yeah. And we've seen a lot of money in the venture capital space go into these vertical farms, um, which seem to have had mixed success um, in, in the last year. Some are still going, but others have certainly failed. Um, what, it, it, what is the situation where the farmer has to decide, you know, I can keep doing this outdoors, but I have these environmental considerations I'm having, I have the concerns with the weather versus potentially going to an indoor environment. Yeah, it, it's, uh, I mean, obviously animal husbandry has moved a lot of it inside anyway. Right, uh, yeah, um, right. Cotton and hog production exclusively inside, uh, dairy, the actual, uh, the actual milk product on the interior. Um, I mean, so much of agriculture is still producing very commodity level, um, undifferentiated product. Number two, yellow, USDA yellow corn. Right. Uh, soybeans, a lot of it's going into seed oils, uh, some of it's going into uh, biofuels, a lot of corn goes there. Um, so in terms of the higher quality food question versus where most of our acres are being devoted, um, it's hard to say where that's going to evolve uh, I, I, by most measures, which I, if we don't want to get into, ethanol uh, is not an efficient uh, means of producing biofuel. Um, environmentally, uh, economically, I do not predict that it's going away. Subsidies don't tend to do that. Right. But it does mean that there are probably better sources. So what, where guys, uh, I, really the, the ag boom and the ethanol boom, the uh, cheap money boom, have tended to drive guys to undifferentiated production and uh, uh, and, and growth. Okay, okay. Um, 
so some of the more interesting, uh, uh, more direct to direct to consumer uh, uh, food items, honestly, I I I, I, I sort of uh, hypothesize they've been pushed aside a little bit. Okay. Um, so that's a longish half answer. Right. 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 But you're still um, still trying to get to that low cost of production, right? Like I know. Um, it's a little different space, but in we, we've done a fair amount of work in the horticulture space where they're not growing food so much as, as uh, plants and trees and shrubs. But I know in that sector, uh, the H2A program, which is a program where um, workers are brought up from Mexico in a, in a very organized system, uh, ha- has been a great way for some of those companies to increase productivity um, and, and efficiencies um, in their, in their uh, various sectors, which is important as, as um, pricing has, has been under pressure with, with COVID and, and consumer demand has, has kind of waffled a little bit. So it's still about being that low-cost producer in the farming sector, in the agriculture in general, correct? Yeah, that's not a question. I mean, yeah. uh, um, if you can maintain quality and cut costs. Now, that is a bit of a trick because uh, people in cutting costs, I think sometimes it's a bit knee-jerk and they end up, they end up undermining both quality and their productive uh, um, profile in, on the long term. Um, but that's definitely there. Um, I, I regard, and I don't see enough of it, uh, one of the primaries of opportunity, whether you're a crops or animals or both, is, is uh, definitely organic farming. Just because it's more distinctively, you know, it's it's differentiated. It's consumer driven. It's not uh, dependent on subsidy uh, or other forms of uh, economic management that you're going to get. Right. Okay. And uh, what are you? We haven't touched on, but I know it's it's critical in what you do. It's it's important in a lot of different industries that we see, and just becoming more and more important every day. Our data analytics. Can you talk a little bit about how you mine data? And how you use that with your clients to help them uh, improve their operations? Um, well, agriculture is really data rich. Um, well, I, I don't know who isn't anymore, but uh, uh, in a sense, because of the government involvement, uh, there's public data sets. So you really get a good sense of what the economic reality is. So, in trying to understand how you're performing, we all want some basis of comparison. Um, and, and so, I'm able to access that data. And give, give my clients a, uh, some real insight. Basically, uh, looking over the neighbor's shoulder. Now, which is kind of a kind of big brother, I guess. But and, I mean, anyone can do it if they want to. And, and uh, perception and reality are kind of divergent there. What what people sort of assume the nature of the rumor mill and, 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 and just driving around and looking what is going on in agriculture um, ends up being a, a, a very different if you get behind the numbers. It's a challenging industry. Uh, margins are razor thin. Uh, capital costs have been low, but that has driven asset prices up very high. And now, if we're into a transition where we're going to see cap, uh, asset prices tail off and capital costs rise, it's always the people. And this is the biggest thing I've been with my clients using the data: is what's the nature of that tradition, that that transition? Uh, don't get caught out. I mean, the, the, the stupid example, except for the people are doing it, uh, don't buy $12,000 an acre land in Minnesota that presumes that you're always going to have 220 bushels of corn at $7. Right. Um, and uh, 3% cost of funds. Right, right. Um, have they happened? Yeah, they just did. 
Yes. Are, are they persistent? Well, they're gone. Okay. And looking at history, so what's, to what extent is history controlling when you find the numbers for these prices to remain? What other things have to be true? And do we think that those assumptions are reasonable? Usually we find the answer is no. We have to assume or at least be prepared in our financial arrangements that corn is going to be cheaper. We're not always going to get 200 bushels. Interest rates, in fact, are 6 7 8%, which if you take a broad sweep of history, is kind of middle of the road. Okay. Okay. So, okay. That, uh, yeah, the short tour we're looking at. Okay. Okay, great. Uh, I think, you know, for our last topic of today's conversation, um, we're an investment bank. We obviously do a lot of work in mergers and acquisitions. You've alluded a little bit to consolidation in, in the sector with the, I think, the corporate farms that have come in and acquired a lot of the land. Um, and I know that uh, we're expecting a lot of M&A um, with the rise and fall of capital funding in the agri-food tech sector, particularly around, as I mentioned earlier, some of the technologies and, and the vertical farms. There's just going to be some winners and losers, and, and M&A is going to be a part of that. Um, how, how can you just kind of speak to consolidation in general in the sector as it's a finite pie? It's not really growing. I think it was... Mark Twain that said, "Buy land; they're not making any more of it." Um, how do you how do you see M and A consolidation playing a role in the next uh, few years? It's a, it's a lot of there's a lot of sectors. I think that crop farming uh, traditionally is, is has been untamable. It's very decentralized. Um, the maximum efficiency uh, tends to be uh, around five to ten thousand acres. So I'm I'm working from Minnesota assumptions. Sure. Yeah. 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 We've seen the most consolidation definitely within uh, you know uh, uh, animals. Uh, okay. uh, beef definitely, especially hogs, uh, poultry, dairy. Yep. Um, and I'm not sure what to make of some of that because that's also that's still doing. Uh, um, it's very. Uh, undifferentiated, not quality-driven, not necessarily even consumer-driven product. Um, there's likely to be opportunities in land acquisition and land holdings and, and, and actually to be uh, 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 professional holders who are serving the farms who work the land. I think we'll always see a bifurcation of ownership and management there. But uh, I don't think that uh, $10,000 an acre is a good play based on the current crop mix in Minnesota. If someone figured out how to grow uh, actually really good Cabernet grapes in Minnesota, I think that you'd be happy for 10,000. Um, <laughs> although I, I, was, I was at a, another event, I was talking to a, a, a vintner uh, from Central Coast and uh, unplanted uh, a suitable ground for, for wine production was, uh, uh, was 25,000 an acre. Wow. Plenty, but then, then uh, fully planted and ready to produce was maybe 40, 50, which you think about the value of production there and you think about uh, how that compares to 10,000 for in Minnesota for number two yellow corn. Right. Our numbers sound kind of crazy. So I, I, I wouldn't tell everyone to rush out and buy ag land and not making more of it. And there's something, uh, a report you shared with me talked about a withdrawal of a certain amount of acres out of, out of production. Right. And... We've gotten very productive. Um, there's a lot of land that can become more productive. There was a theory that was advanced a few years ago, and I'm at least sympathetic or curious about it. It was peak farmer. We're going to see land pulled out of production because of the nature of the efficiency of production is so great. Okay. Um, Good. So 
if you're going to buy it, make sure it's good. Right, right. Well, I think um, what I, I think what I hear you saying and, and what we've seen as well is that um, it's 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 been a, it's a highly competitive sector, whether it's agricultural, horticulture. There's a finite pie. You have to be uh, very efficient in your in your means of production, and as a result, there's consolidation because economies of scale just lead you to more profits. And so it only makes sense that um, some groups are getting out of pork and into beef or out of beef um, and, and into uh, other areas. And I know in horticulture, it's the same, where it's just more efficient to have larger operations where you can, you can generate economies of scale and increase the bottom line. So Tom, we um, should talk about input costs. Energy costs are obviously uh, going up. Uh, water is becoming more scarce. Fertilizer costs undulates, um, and I know earlier you were telling me a story as far back as the '80s about um, a hydroponic facility that um, had been impacted by energy costs. So, can you tell us a little bit more about that and how how uh, input costs are, are impacting business today? Yeah, it's uh, uh, that's before my time. My, my uh, Tom Senior was uh, associated with a startup. Uh, um, uh, the guy worked out how to grow hydroponic tomatoes, very high quality, and it, it was something of a breakthrough then. But uh, recalling the story as he told it, what ended up sinking the deal, uh, it was just not financially feasible, was uh, energy costs, which remains a big deal in farming, uh, right? Um, uh, in Minnesota, we don't tend to have water issues. Uh, uh, some crops are produced on pivots, but even there, it tends to be uh, a sometime thing that they're required. Um, <clears throat> inputs, uh, seed, fertilizer, chemical, fuel are all way up. Rents are way up. When, again, I'm talking about uh, uh, farmers are renting uh, maybe three quarters of the ground that's under their management. Okay. Um, those are up so high that if we, if, if we start to look at maybe a retracement of uh, corn prices to, let's say, $4, which is not very far from the USDA's multi-year projections, as I recall, it's hard to... It, Costs are going to have to reset very heavily in order to put them back into profitable territory, even break even. And as I mentioned, the, far, the, 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 the margins are very thin. The return on assets in the farm, in farms from uh, mid-90s to today, has just been a tick over cost of funds. So okay. economically speaking, they're barely better than break even. Um, so it's hard to see whether that's where, where that's going to go, except for some of the inputs are going to be forced lower because at some point the food has to be grown. Right, and and, and as we've seen, cost of funds is going up, which is exerting pressure on um, uh, companies across the agricultural spectrum, whether they're growing food, plants, flowers, um, yes. what have you. And I think that's that certainly is what part of what's driving this this movement to indoor farming, where. Uh, hopefully, it's more ESG friendly and and better use of of, of, of water and your and your carbon control, climate controlled, etc. Yeah, uh, I, I presumably indoor, and I have less direct experience with it. Is you're, you're talking about much higher value, higher value problem than cattle feed or corn sweetener or right. ethanol, right? You're know, talk, talking about uh, um, aquaculture, uh, right. people raising whatever sorrel or basil, right? Right. Um, and uh, I think the math is uh, from from my exposure is still dodgy. It's still a very expensive pro uh, proposition that gets to be uh, uh, 
mostly about capital costs and, and energy. So. Right, right. So I think um, we're, you know, we are hearing about some facilities that are trying to be located near um, water sources, right, or, or where they can take advantage of, of um, natural resources to bring those costs of production down. We are uh, just about at the end of our conversation. I think it's been, we want to uh, thank Tom Walker of Walker Insight for his, um, his deep experience in the agriculture space. I think what we're, we've heard today, and I'll let Tom wrap up as well, but um, it's, it, it's a interesting time in the agricultural space. Agri-Food Tech has received a lot of capital, will continue to receive capital, but there's going to be winners and losers, and um, it's going to take a lot of uh, insight and hard work to find those sectors that are going to pay off. Tom, any concluding thoughts? Oh, thanks, John. Um, this is, that is a, a Chinese curse, isn't it? That you live in interesting times, and, and these times are interesting. But uh, uh, in terms of consolidation, I think I, I could close with looking at the nature of crop farming in Minnesota, most of the U.S. Uh, you might say that the minimum size for efficiency of world crop production is 3,000. Acres under okay. a man, uh, single person management. Okay. Uh, average farm size in Minnesota is considerably less. It's less than a thousand acres under management. So we're seeing a lot of competition to grow just to become even minimally profitable. And that's been a struggle. There's a lot of people out there. There will be lots of exits. Uh, but in the meantime, it, you know, farming is a rich multi generational uh, capital base. And uh, so Unfortunately, it's, it's a little bit of a war of attrition uh, that we'll see in the coming five to 15 years. Okay, great. Excellent. Well, again, thanks for being here, Tom. Appreciate it. And thank, thank you. you for joining us for another episode of Cascade Conversations. Mm-hmm.